Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Daf Shavua as we study Meseches Ksuvos Daf Chaf Gimel. I want to uh, present in the first part of the Shir the Indian, the topic of Hasra. Now, this is very important. I can't say it's a hundred percent halacha lamasa, but we should know these laws based on Mikdash is going to be coming, and just in general, there there will be some relevant aspects. Hashem is always watching us. Whether you warn someone of a sin or not, we still, of course, today deal with uh, punishments min Hashemayim. A lot of what I'm going to share with you is from the Gemara in Sanhedrin, including a bunch of Rambams in Sanhedrin. I won't spell it all out for the sake of time, but I'm happy to share the Makaros. But let's give a little background of how we're coming to this discussion. Because we understand... We're still going to call it Kimle uh, Duravimine. may not be exact when we're dealing not with a chi of Misa uh, but with Malchus. But either way, a person's supposed to get the worst of two punishments. And assuming, as it is an assumption, because <coughs> we see a Machlokas Amarayim about this, that in order to get Malchus, you need Hasra. So if someone did something where there would be a chi of mamon, let's say an ones mafata case, but you weren't able to establish the hasra that would require, let's say, a malchus, so then the mamon would end up being paid. So what is this hasra? It actually came up in a uh, Rashi in yesterday's parsha. Towards the end of the parsha, we have the case of the Megadev. You know, in the entire uh, Sefer Vayikra, I mentioned this in a shir yesterday, there are only two narratives. We have the story of Nadav and Avihu, tragic story, and then we have the story of the Megadev. The Megadev is the one who blasphemes, curses uh, Hashem. According to the Medrash, the Medrash Rabbah, and Rashi brings this down, this was the child, this was the son of the man that uh, maybe 60 years earlier, according to this, the, if you make the calculations, who Moshe killed. It was an Egyptian who was beating up a Jew. This Jew's wife, who's identified in yesterday's parsha, she actually uh, seduced this uh, taskmaster, this Egyptian taskmaster, and then once uh, he realized the Egyptian realized that the the uh, Jew saw what was happening. Because what you had is you had Egyptian taskmasters and then you had Jewish officers under them. Once he realized that this Jewish officer understood what was happening between the mother and the father, between the uh, wife and this man, so the Egyptian starts beating him up and that's when Moshe comes. The kid from that relation sure enough, shows up again in yesterday's parish. He's the Megadev. So when it comes to the Megadev, if you look into a number of the Rishonim, this is a Kess of Mishnah that discusses this in, uh, in uh, Avodah Zarah, Perik Bey's Halacha Tess, based on a Rambam, that you don't need Hasra when there's no Masa when there's no action. You know, the Megadev isn't doing something specific, he's speaking. 
There are others that say you still require hasra, and that's what it looks like according to uh, Rashi. If you look at Rashi in yesterday's parsha, Perachaf Dalit, Pasuk Tesvav, Derived and Eidos Perachaf, Halacha Dalit as well. But what exactly is hasra? And the basic goal and the purpose of hasra is when we're meeting out punishment, let's say a Bezdin that's meeting out punishment, the Bezdin wants to know, was this action done, whatever it is, it could be Chil Shabbos or anything that in the Torah gets Malchus. There's also something called Malchus Mardis, which is Drabanan. Was the person aware of what they were doing? Or if they're not aware of what they were doing, it maybe it's a Shogeg. Even if they are aware of what they're doing, but they didn't know that it was necessarily an Isser, then it's going to be a Shogeg. So therefore you require Hasra. In order for there, let's go to the extreme, to be a Misas Bezdin, not talking about the Malkus case. So you need two things. It's more or less going to be the same with the Malkus, but I'm just giving it to you, let's say, on a Torah level, when it comes to Misas Bezdin. You know, someone has done really something where you deserve uh, punishment. And again, it could come in Hilcha Shabbos as well, where the Bezdin's going to kill the guy with Skila. So you need there to be two Adim, and you need there to be Hasra. When you get into the sugyas of Hasra, of the warning, does that mean it's the two Adim that have to give the Hasra? Is it one person in front of two Adim? These are different uh, discussions and different opinions in the Rishonim. So we're not going to go through all the halachos right now. What's a very fascinating halacha is, and that's why you could see how often a person wouldn't be killed by Bezdin, is the warning has to happen, tokede dibor. Tokede dibor means like basically right before the action. So if you said to somebody, you know, you can't do uh, X, you know, you can't uh, light the fire on Shabbos, and it's on Shabbos, but you told this to him in the 9 o'clock in the morning, and then 1 o'clock in the afternoon, he lights the fire, and they're Aden, but at that moment, they don't give Hasra, there's not going to be a Misas Bezdin. And there's also a specific formulation of what has to be in the Hasra, the, what has to be said. And here, too, the Rishonim have a discussion. Do you have to spell out exactly which chi of Misa, in a, in not in a Malkus case, in a chi of Misa case? Do you have to spell out exactly what you're going to have? Do you have to identify the type of uh, punishment? And what's very important to keep in mind is that Hasra is only going to be said in an One Shebidei Adam, a Misas Bezdin or a Malkus. Because if it's something that's specifically One Shebidei Shemayim, comes from Hashem, for example, a Chi of Karis, or Misa Bideshamayim, there's no reason for Hasra, because, and that's why the relevance is today as well, because Hashem knows whether it's Shogeg or Meza. So when you're operating down here, you need that uh, certification. You don't need the certification, obviously, if Hashem is making uh, the determination. So again, the, the reason why this is relevant in our sugya, and that's what comes up in the beginning of the Gemara, is if you don't have all the necessary elements that's required of a hasra, but it's enough of a, it's enough that we are able to say that 
something bad happened that would require a kanas or would require a tashlumim, then you could end up having the payment. So we don't require the hasra and the two edim to establish everything. We require that, that's how the Gemara goes, in order to establish the punishment from the Bezdin. When we're talking about the punishment from the Bezdin, it's going to be either Misas Bezdin or it's going to be talking about Malchus. This is when Bezdin, you know, gives capital punishment. When I say capital punishment, even if you're not killing the guy, because you can't kill the guy in Malchus, as opposed to just uh, the world of Tashlumim. Of payment. Now, obviously, another exception to the rule of Hasra, which I should have really started with, is Adam Zomim. That's what's stated straight out in our Gemara. Adam Zomim, as it's brought down in the Rambam, Adam Srich and Hasra. And the, um, if you look into the Kesa Mishnah, the Kesa Mishnah goes right to our Gemara. Ksuvis, Perik, Elonaros, Reblaza, Amar, Adam Zomim, Amona, Mashami, Amilkalolaku, Mishim Dala, Bene Hasra, Ninhu. And then it gets into the Shita of Abaya. Another case where you're not going to have any requirement of Hasra, and this is really not a Misas Bezdin, it's more of a Bain Adam, La Adam, which I think also connects to the theory I'm suggesting of Adam Zoma, because here's a situation where these people themselves are trying to cause, let's say, the death to these uh, two witnesses, right? Because Adam Zoman is a situation where you have two people that say we saw Yankel kill Beryl. So they're trying to have him killed. So we also have a halacha by a rodef. If somebody's a rodef going to kill somebody, you don't have to uh, have hasra before you kill the guy. What you're obviously doing is you're trying to uh, protect a life. So that's just uh, two other cases, and the, the way we got into this discussion in our Gemara is through the uh, Adam Zomerman analysis. Now, the full Adam Zomerman analysis is in Perik Makos, that is in uh, the Gemara Makos. It's where you, what we're really seeing, we told you in the beginning, Suvis takes you all over Shas, way beyond uh, issues of only Ishus. We're going into Sanhedrin, we're going into Misas Bezdin. And it's almost every line, definitely on this daf, we could jump all over the place. Okay, the next thing I want to deal with, which comes up on uh, the next daf, on the next Amud, Lamed Gimel, Amud Beis, it's a very famous Gemara. Why is it a famous Gemara? Because it was discussed yesterday at Ketzat Torah by Rabbi Wine. He didn't actually use this Gemara. <coughs> but this very big issue that came up during the time of the Crusades, I'm not going to repeat what Rabbi Wine said yesterday, but I do want to connect it because this is relevant to why it is that the minhag among so many, especially in the Ashkenazi community, is to observe Sphira beginning with Rosh Chodesh E.R., and going almost up until Purim, uh, up until Shavuos, I'm sorry. Because in the year 1096, this was the year of terrible crusades, especially in three communities. We call them the communities of Shum, Spires, Mayence, and Verms. It's the reason why when these crusades took place, 
And obviously the devastating impact, the tefillah that we say on Shabbos, Avarachimim, was written. And it is why we say Avarachimim, even Shabbos, Mavarachim, of the month of Sivan. A lot of the, you look into the keynotes about these um, crusades, you can see the actual dates. It's also, just to point out, nothing's a coincidence, 1944, much of Hungarian Jewry was killed, same time of year. I was a rub in a community, a Hungarian community. People had, uh, this is when they kept the yard sites. They often didn't know the exact day. But Shavuos was obviously a Chag, but there was a lot of sadness as well. So what does this have to do with Seches Ksuvitz and Ara Gemara? So the Gemara on Lama Gimel, Amit Beis, in discussing the issue, the historical reality of Hanania, Mishal, and Azariah, what exactly happened over there? The Gemara gets into a discussion here that maybe Malchus is worse than Achia of Misas Bezdin. The Gemara says that's impossible, but it says maybe from a suffering side, you could have Achia of Misas Bezdin that would happen ipso facto right away. Malchus stretches out. But then the Gemara says, as we know, that Malchus was not really stretched out. You, you weren't, if a person couldn't handle. 39, you gave him less. So it wasn't an ongoing pain. This leads the Gemara to get into a whole discussion that's stated in the name of Rav. So Rav makes the statement, Had Hananya, Mishal, and Azariah been whipped, then Pochel and Salma, they would have worshipped the statue. The way we understand the story is they were forced to worship the statue. So instead, the statue that was uh, constructed by Nebuchadnezzar, and they decided we're not going to do it. It's an Avodah So they were uh, thrown into a uh, fire. Sounds like the Avram story. Because there's no way in the world we have a principle that for three, uh, what's called the three cardinal rules, although it's not really a Jewish idea, cardinal rules, but the three, uh, big three, Shrikas, Damim, Gileh, and Avodah you have to give up your life. So what does this mean when Rav makes this wild statement that if they would have been whipped, this is implying that Malchus is worse, even though we say at the end, of course, the Malchus is not going to be ongoing, but it, that would not have been listened to by Nebuchadnezzar. So Amalei Rav Sama bereid Ravasi Ravashi. So Ravasi, Rav Sama, the son of Ravasi, says to Ravasi, shani Is there no difference to you between a beating that has a limit and a beating that does not have a limit? So that explains why our issue is not an issue, because our Malchus is obviously going to be less than death. But there's a big kasha that comes up here. I mentioned that on Shabbos, Rabbi Wine gave a very interesting shear on are you allowed to give up your life for something that is not one of the three? You hear the question? We know you only have to give up your life for the big three. But let's say you want to give up your life. You're willing to give up your life. 
There could be different cases. I'm not going to go through the whole shear, but let's say a non-Jew comes to you and says, eat this uh, tarfus, eat this tray of thing, or I'm going to shoot you. Are you not allowed to be shot? Or are you allowed to say, listen, it's also Kiddush Hashem if I give up my life for it. Now you look through the shittas of the Rambam, you're basically not going to be able to do such a thing. It's restricted to those three. And that's the, the basic approach that you have in the Rambam. This is discussed in the Rambam, Hilchos Yisari Torah. It's based on Gemara Sanhedrin, Daf, Ayin Vav, Amid Aleph. The Rambam tells us, Kol Beis Yisrael Mitzavan HaKiddush Hashem HaGadol HaZeh, Shenemar, based on Apostle in Parshas Emor, V'nikdashti B'nei Yisrael. U'musharin Shalolachalo, Shenemar V'losachalo Hashem Kachi. That's also the prohibition of Chilol Hashem. And what does he go on to say? Sheyamod Ovid Kochavim, V'yenos Es Yisrael, Lavor HaAchas, Mikol Mitzvah Samurus Batora, when it comes to the rest of the mitzvahs of the Torah, you should violate them and not be killed because we have a mitzvah of So that's the halacha. There could be, even in the Rambam, certain situations where a person would have to give up their life. If it's a shas hashmad, a shas hagzerah, but we're not getting into that right now. But generally, a person would not be able to give up their life for any of these three. You'd run into issues that that's taking your own life, which is a separate prohibition. So what does Rav mean over here that uh, they would have worshipped if they would have been continued to be uh, beaten? Right, they would have maybe worshipped it. They'd have to give up their lives. So you have two understandings in the Rishonim. Some Rishonim say that uh, although the Torah obligates one to sacrifice his life rather than bow down to an idol, it doesn't obligate you to endure torture. Okay, so this is what you're going to see in the Shita Mikubetzes. So you have to give up your life if it's going to be a quick giving up of your life. But to actually suffer, you would not have to give up the life. It's not the way most Rishonim go. Tosvos here explains, and it's very consistent, because you have this uh, sheet of Tosvos, more specifically, the Rabbeinu Tam, <coughs> in a number of places in Shas, that a person is allowed to give up their life. You see, this was not a real idol according to Rabbeinu Tam. It wasn't regular Avodah It was a statue that was erected for the uh, kavod of the king. So they didn't really have to even give up their lives, but they chose to give up their lives. So this would take the approach that you're allowed to give up your life. You see, these are big questions, as Rabbi Wine explained, that came up during the Crusades. They're big questions that have come up later on in Jewish history. Now, it's very hard to pass in these halachas while these events are taking place. And clearly, we look at people that gave up their lives. We're not going to judge. Did they do the right thing? Or they, did they not do the right thing? And one could also argue that even according to the Rambam, one would have to give up their life, bishas hagzeira, right? When the whole Judaism is on the line, 
when the whole Judaism is on the line, it's not just a single act that we're talking about. If you look into the Rambam, Hilchas Yisodi Atara, Perakei Halacha Gimel, the Rambam says, V'chol hadvarim elu shalo b'shas ha-gzeira, avu b'shas ha-gzeira v'hu sheyamun melech rasha, kiva nuchanetza v'chaveirav, v'yigzar gzeira al Yisrael, levat al-dasam, o mitzvah min ha-mitzvos, yaharag v'al-yavor. In that situation, yaharag v'al-yavor. You have to think about the situation of Rabbi Akiva. What happened with Rabbi Akiva? You see, Tosfos mentions, Rabbi Akiva was teaching Torah. Ruchani ben Tradion was teaching Torah. Why did they give up their lives for that? So the assumption is that the whole Yahadus was under attack when there's a prohibition to study Torah. Okay, we shouldn't have to deal with these things, and we should continue to learn Torah. Benachas uvashalom. Have a great week of learning.